Welcome to Darwin's Family Crest with Derek and Jeremy. Um, this is uh, slightly unorthodox, however, um, pretty uh, uh, pretty apropos if you if you would uh, if you'd be following us. Um, what do you think about it, partner? What are we doing tonight? Uh, I think we're going to call Ian. Um, Ian Strong from the Strong Words podcast had you on. Um, I guess it was recorded last month, but uh, that episode dropped this week. And if you haven't already, I will put the episode in the show notes for you to go check that out because it's definitely a good listen. Uh, we're going to have him along for the ride tonight. Do you want to introduce him? I, um, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm clearing my throat right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ian is already on the call. Would you like to introduce yourself, Ian? Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ian Strong. Uh, great to be here. Had a really great time catching up with Derek on my show a couple of weeks ago. And I've uh, been getting a lot of really great feedback about having him on the show this week, so I'm excited to be here. All right, so one thing I want to do is I want to be a, a fun little conduit for uh, this uh, potential bromance that uh, could be farmed uh, uh, via DFC and by strong words uh, from our guest at this point. So... Uh, where I want to start is um, I want to talk about I like I brought you on uh, after I don't know pretty much just yeah, I mean this is a reckoning at this point of <laughs> Leo Moriakioli and it, it wasn't okay. it wasn't to my partner it wasn't to you uh, it was to me uh, I started uh, farming this guy out around Adele uh, and and uh, his cover of Hello and that kind of thing. And then, like, absolutely went to the banjo cover of Psychosocial uh, to the, you know, the, the uh, you know, like, to Slipknot's duality. It's, I mean, we're not going to talk about covers necessarily tonight, but we have to talk about how the influences matter. So, um you uh, you turned me on to some stuff, and I have to give you just utter dap to that, and I have to kick to dap is good, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, da- yeah, yeah. Dap's out of control, so <laughs> I I will I will kick dap to you for that because you're the one that told me um, about his his release. He's got he's got he's got regular releases, mm-hmm. and then my partner has a bunch of uh, of, of back data that I'm sure that he's going to just absolutely kick your way. So let's go with, uh, let's go with what you showed me, uh, after strong words. Okay. What, uh, where, where did we start with that? Uh, I, I mean, I, I remember just saying we, we got on the subject of, of cover songs and he, he covers a very wide range of songs. Like you said, everything from mm-hmm. Slipknot all the way to the wheels on the bus go round and round to peanut butter, jelly time. Yeah. And, um, as a as a musician myself and a guy who dabbles in multiple instruments, I'm a primarily a guitar player, but I also do percussion on the side and I do all the music for my own show, Strong Words with Ian Strong. Uh, it, it's how, how do I want to say this? I, I'm I'm completely in awe of his talent, but I'm also kind of pissed because he is better at everything that I consider myself good at. <laughs> Yeah, he's virtuoso at everything he touches. It blows my freaking mind. 
Yeah, and and my my favorite thing about his covers is the when it gets to like kind of a bridge and he takes his own little direction and puts his own little spin on the song but still finds a way to bring it back around and close out strong. Man, that that gets me every time and that's really what kind of catches me into every one of his covers even if I don't necessarily like the song on paper, I'll still give it a listen to see what he does with it. Because he's always having a fun time too. You can tell oh, in yeah. his videos he's just having a fucking blast the whole oh, time. Yeah. So, so some of the songs, uh, Derek, that I think that we were kind of falling into the rabbit hole on. Um, I'm a I'm a huge fan of his covers uh, of Toto songs, uh, Africa, uh, Hold the Line. That that's a good one. I don't think I showed you Hold the Line. Um, Sultans of Swing. Uh, I, I know that's not a Toto song, but that's another one of his covers that I'm madly in love with, and I and I jam that song with a, a drummer friend of mine. Uh, Adele, Hello. I think I I showed you that one. I, that was the very first one that I had ever listened to. Uh, my my buddy Dan uh, introduced me to Leo a couple of years ago. Back, I, I think he was still within the first year of when he started his channel, and now he's over three million subscribers on YouTube. That's but, where you started with me. I don't know if if that's where uh like I think that's probably where where the the grassroots were at and uh because you wanted to give me uh sort of the the dichotomy there. You wanted to you wanted to show me the metal of a non-metal song. Right. And, and the like like the non-metal of a metal song. So that's how we got to some of the Slipknot covers as well. Mm-hmm. And 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 also um I, like we're we'd be we'd be remiss if we are skipping uh, uh, any of the uh, uh, the baby shark covers, <laughs> <laughs> which is objectively amazing. Of course, I I absolutely love his cover of Childish Gambino's "This Is America." It it just I feel like it brings more balls to that song. I mean, it doesn't have the the heat and the political everything behind the video a gambino's video but it was still such a solid ass cover i am a i'm a big fan also of his uh his bruno mars covers uh, i think uh, his cover of 24 karat magic is really good uh his michael jackson covers are also solid i i listen to thriller regularly um and but like i said it's just no matter no matter what he does i'm i'm always interested at least checking it out just to see what he does with it i mean even like he even did uh, like a prayer by madonna and i couldn't even tell you the name of whatever instrument he used in the solo part of it he, he's just always finding new ways to uh incorporate different sound generating musical instruments if you even want to call them that and and that's a that's that hits you know home with me because that's something that I'm always trying to do all the time. Me and my buddy Dan that I mentioned earlier also have an acoustical comedy duo similar to like a Tenacious D, but we do some of our own songs ourselves. And I'm always trying to find ways to you know can I incorporate a guero in this or I hit a, t- a triangle one time the entire night, but it has to be there. You know, so whatever it is that I can do to try to add to not just playing guitar, bass, and, and drums, I, I appreciate him bringing that to the table as well. Yeah, um, I, I mean, and I, I have to talk about uh, uh, some of some of Leo's uh, like like I, I don't want to even say that they're <clears throat> they're not they're not accoutrements at this point because they're they're not playing second fiddle to anybody. But even guys like Rob Scallion um, at this oh, point, he's he's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I, I have loved everything he has ever put out. Like 
be it a one string shovel guitar solo to I, I mean like his video with leo of psychosocial was the first introduction for me to leo and then i just dove in head first from there yeah they, yeah ian that's on you because i mean like i said this is uh th- this is you know this is your farming here at this point <laughs> Well, I, I told you when we uh, when we concluded our interview that I was going to introduce you to that guy and he was going to blow your mind. And seemingly I've done that because you've you passed it along. Well, I I, I mean, ideally, um, you should know that the passing on actually involves my kid because, I mean, he's 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 the one that's act, that actually uh, he showed me the uh, the, the version of uh, Old Town Road that he did. <laughs> and that that's just it's just bonkers. It is uh, it, because I mean. To be fair, like the actual the actual song uh, to to be garnered as a country song the way that it is, and like again to be transformed by uh, you know I mean by a Scandinavian guy that plays every aspect of the song it's just I mean I don't want to say it's laughable but it's 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 borderline um, I I mean it's epic with yeah. what he's doing. And and it's it's really cool to see like how the success of his channel was blossomed into him having a successful career in music because now he's put together a band that consists of guys that he's had guests on some of these songs and they're actually playing shows in Europe like in front of tens of thousands of people which I mean he probably wouldn't have the same success in the states as he would in Europe just because of how more much more popular that genre of music is over there. But it's really cool to see just like he went from doing these videos by himself, which that's also a a fascinating aspect of what he does to me is not he's not just, you know, recording every instrument and singing it all by himself. He's also doing the editing and getting, you know, videos out every single week on his own. And then he took that and then he started incorporating guests and then he started having a little bit more budget and production in his videos. And now he's doing full live shows with tens of thousands of people in the crowd that are interested in that. That's really cool to me. Sure. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that I will actually le- lend a, uh, a a physical nod to is that uh, you create your uh, your intro and your own outro music uh, mm-hmm. for for your podcast. Um, uh, we're not doing that right now. Uh, we are actually uh, we're lending uh, our services to uh, to, uh, uh, to if not for me uh, for their use of Silframe at this point, but. Um, Again, uh, DFC is always going to be super music heavy at this point. So, um, are you guys familiar with Anthony Vincent from Ten Second Songs? Ten Second Songs, yeah, yeah, I know that his guy, stuff. That guy feels similar in vain to what we're talking about. He's just having a good ass time and doing covers. In Derek, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, okay, I figured he's pretty viral at this point, but like, he's just virtuoso at everything too one that sticks out to me um that he covered in the style of the band ghost chop suey and it was just heard it amazing so good it's It's so so good good. it feels like a ghost song now i want to hear ghost cover it you know i i he also did another version of that same song but like in 20 different styles uh, like he even had like a Rat Pack version doing it, and he had uh, just just all across the board. I mean, if you haven't checked out his stuff, I highly recommend you do it. I mean, it, it's kind of funny. I'm having this exact same conversation where uh, somebody who is going to be a future guest on my show, uh, Johnny Suicide from the local band Suicide Puppets, uh, 
was listening to my and Derek's interview earlier this week, and he was like, hey, I heard you mention Leo Maracchioli. Have you heard of this guy, Anthony Vincent? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I totally know his stuff. So That's awesome. Yeah, it's kind of funny that like you made that same parallel as he did because I literally just had the same conversation this week with a good buddy of mine. But, yeah, I, I, I absolutely dig, you know, what what he does. I'm more of a Leo fan just from a musicianship standpoint. Sure, sure, but, yeah. But that doesn't take like I think that Anthony has a a very versatile and unique and uh, uh, special voice. And I think it's really cool what he's able to do with it, with all these songs. And it's really an original take on a lot of these music songs that he's been doing. I will say just real quick, um, as as feel like a a true third wheel here at this point that I do need to introduce the two of you Uh, (laughs) again. This is like this is pretty unprecedented. I can just sit back and I can watch two guys that, that I, I thoroughly respect the, uh, the musical attributes of both of these human beings to just be able to like, again, just, I can, I can watch myself on, like on my screen <laughs> at this point and just indulge, um, the, the, I mean, I, I, this is, this is me like literally watching a podcast in front of myself. Like, <laughs> I enjoy this. I really do enjoy this. I mean, again, I I appreciate having Ian Strong on DFC, and again, I like uh, my my brother Jeremy Brubaker does not get enough enough dap for what he's for what he's uh, for what he does for this for this entire show. Um, I think at some point because uh, Derek and I pretty much meshed in our love for music like you guys did, and um, he would just walk into my office and I would have some random song on and we would talk for half an hour about it. And it's like, well, fuck, you're supposed to be working. I'm supposed to be working, but let's talk about poison the well instead. That's, (laughs) that seems better. (laughs) I mean, I mean, me and Derek would literally have very similar conversations. I don't even want to take a guess as to how many years ago on the cook's line at friendlies, but you know, we, he'd have a radio on and we would talk about whatever it was at the edge or I don't even know if it was the exit, if it was the edge, uh what was planned at the time and uh it, it's it's cool to do it and on this kind of forum now with with a guy i got the opportunity to finally reconnect with well to be fair i don't want to bury the lead here at this point but uh I, I, as much as he uh he is he's flexed his uh his premise uh for uh for uh, for i don't know i guess any genre of music that you could really uh you could i guess lob out there at this point um uh, Ian Strong is a uh, veteran of the squared circle. Uh, oh man, I had a better segue than this. <laughs> all right. Well, you know, I was you... going to say my favorite cover of all time was Vince McMahon singing the Sexy Boy theme that was HBK's theme, <laughs> and ask you if you'd ever heard it. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm more shit? of a I'm more of a fan of when Booker T did it, but then changed the lyrics <laughs> to make it just about himself. I, do, you, do you remember when he did that when yes. wwe tried to bring back the nwo and he did that in the backstage segment because he wanted to talk to hbk yes <laughs> this this uh just so all the dfc fans know if and they're not following me by the way um i will go ahead and let you know that this is where i take the back seat uh, i will be i will be prompting and laughing uh very much <laughs> like the Ed McMahon or the Stavros Halkis uh, of of the uh, 70s and or the the new Oct at this point. So I will be feeding uh, questions for, uh, for for these for these two just uh, enamored human beings of the uh, of the Attitude Era 
you don't have to preface everything you're going to do. You can just do it. I can. I could just. Well, I. I, I know. I, I. I keep getting. I know. I keep getting that that note, and it sucks because I. I read it too late. Uh, <laughs> what a bummer. Anyways, this, real quick. Um, we're gonna talk just just like half a minute about the UUWF. Um, and I. And I again. Um, I, I didn't stutter there uh, for all of our listeners. Uh, that was the ultimate underground wrestling federation to where I was a, a, a frequenter of, of, uh, of, of uh, said squared circle. You're so, a, you're a you're, you're full-time member of the roster. Uh, fair enough. Um, maybe the greatest hardcore champ of all time, but I, I would definitely never... the first one. That's fair. <laughs> It sounds like you you played the uh, Jericho role in that federation in that you came in about midway through and just uh, hey motherfucker I'm here now <laughs> right so so you understand where where Jericho is with AEW at this point so yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I uh, now that I'm now that I'm pissing in three federations um, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll go ahead and just and just celebrate um, you know I was allowed allowed mind you um, I, I was I, I was brought on as a writer. Um, as far as I'm concerned, uh, but, uh, I was brought on as a, a performer at points and, uh, and I, 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 I shared some, uh, some, some limelight, I suppose. But, uh, what I, what I appreciate is the detail. Um, Ian, can you spotlight some detail on what it actually means to be uh, like, a I, I want to say an amateur out, uh, an amateur uh, sports entertainer, please. Oh man, I I spent a probably good 45 minutes on this. Well, maybe not expanded. I I spent about three episodes of my podcast just talking about my career from a fan's perspective to being a amateur backyard sports entertainer to training to be a professional to being a professional and all the everything in between. So, and I spent a good bit of time just talking about how amazingly special and dumb. The UUWF was, uh, which was the the federation that we were a part of, and and I was one of the founding members and co-creators of, and just to kind of break it down, we we were a bunch of guys who loved wrestling. We'd get together every month and steal it on whoever had the the closest black box, and I think the statute of limitations is okay on that. I don't think we're incriminating <laughs> no. ourselves there. Um, and whatever food that I stole from work, which that mm. restaurant doesn't even exist anymore. So I took it. way more, so it's okay. <laughs> um, we, we would just brainstorm ideas for how to keep material fresh for six guys to repeatedly wrestle each other every single week in my mom's backyard. Well, that was the first season we migrated many times since then because we were never allowed to do it where we were doing it. And from... A creative standpoint, that was some of the most fulfilling time of my life was being able to work and collaborate with people to come up with storyline ideas and promo ideas and character ideas and T-shirt ideas. And like I said on my podcast, I, I really think that wrestling is one of the most unique creative outlets that exists in all of any form of arts and entertainment. And I, I, I look back at what we did very fondly and very proudly, but also in a very kind of cynical way, just because I 
eventually took that next step and went behind the other side of the curtain and could understand that like my best match as a backyard wrestler is nowhere close to being my worst match as a professional wrestler in terms of quality. Sure. Um, and maybe I'll, maybe I'll just, I'll turn this over just a bit. Um, when like when you qualify or when you quantify, um, your time spent, um, just even, even like even in a high end, like a high end role, uh, with the UWF, um, it's probably still smart to distance right at this point because, and then, and then just start with your, with your baseline as a professional at this point, because I mean, you well, did I, go to the shark, the shark tank. So I, I, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say that because if it wasn't for my time doing uh, backyard sports entertainment, it wouldn't have fueled the fire that I had to go on and want to do more. Because, as you mentioned, uh, I was a graduate of the Shark Tank, which was former TNA wrestler Shark Boys training school. When I had the opportunity to meet him and he and I kind of became friends, one of the things that he had said to me was, what is it that you want to get out of doing this backyard wrestling shit that you're doing? And I just said to him, like, it'd be really cool if, like, one time I could say that I wrestled a real match in a real ring in front of a real crowd. And he just kind of said, I can do that for you. And we got into the discussion of the details about his school, and then the rest is kind of history from there in regards to driving out to Cincinnati every Thursday for four months to get my ass kicked for three hours and then driving seven hours back so that I can get six hours of sleep and then go to my regular job, which nowadays sounds insane to say, but that's that's where I was at the time. I wanted to train with this guy. Uh, he you know, isn't going to be looked at in wrestling history is one of the greatest ever, but the guy did wrestle on national television for years and, and he may not be a household name, but if you know wrestling, you know his name. And I didn't want to wrestle, you know, or train with some guy who lived as opposed to seven hours, seven minutes away from me, who had a very credible school, but no name that recognition whatsoever. I wanted to be able to say that I trained with a guy that knows what it takes to get to the show and could help me along the way if that's where my goals eventually led me to go, which I mean, it didn't. And I'm OK with that. But as far as the UUWF is concerned, I again, I, I don't think that I would say that. I don't want to acknowledge it because there there are plenty of professional wrestlers, Hall of Famers, even that started out as fans and even started doing stuff in their backyards. You can find home fo home footage of Mick Foley jumping off his roof onto a pile of mattresses and you can see John Moxley comes to mind. <laughs> yeah. Or, or the Hardy boys with, uh, and, and Shannon Moore and that whole group of North Carolinians doing trampoline stuff. Like if it wasn't for me being a fan and having my passion driven by like-minded people who wanted to share that passion and, and drive with me, I may not have ever, you know, took that next step. So you know, again, nothing but fond memories, even though we're, we're lucky that uh, we never really sustained any serious injuries doing it. Yeah, I mean, like, Jeremy, can you even can you even imagine just like like taking uh, taking something like that and just being a springboard? Like, because I mean, that's kind of what we're doing at this point. Like, where's my uh, yeah, I. <laughs> My brother and I were constantly doing wrestling moves on each other, and uh, much to the chagrin of my parents, I I, uh, 
I must have been 10 and Jason was eight one day and I gave him a full bore tombstone pile driver, not knowing how to actually do a tombstone pile driver at 10, drove his head into the fucking sidewalk so hard that his neck cracked. And my mother thought I killed him. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) And, and, you know, um, you just assume at 10 years old, that's the way moves are, but you know, uh, that's, actually one of the safest moves there is to do but not when you drive somebody's head into the fucking concrete sidewalk you know Uh, a similar story that i have to that which i'm actually telling on my show this monday um i was getting ready to leave for new orleans when i was 14 our high school marching band was invited to participate in the halftime show at the sugar bowl and to make a long story short this is back you know during the times of disc man so i needed batteries in order to listen to my CDs during the trip. And because I was very cheap and also very efficient, I had rechargeable batteries that I had loaned to my younger sister. And again, a bridged version of the story. She refused to give me the batteries as I'm packing for the trip. I grabbed her by the leg as she tried to run away from me. I put the Ken Shamrock ankle lock on her and (laughs) I hear three cracks and I immediately start freaking out. (laughs) <laughs> and I, she's, she's screaming her head off. I'm 14. She's like 13 or 12. Um, and, and, and apparently that's how we found out she was calcium deficient. Wow. Uh, yeah. but, but it turns out that, uh, uh, that I, I partially tore a tendon and created a hairline fracture in her ankle. She had to wear an air cast for six weeks. Good <laughs> Lord. <laughs> yeah. I was an asshole. <laughs> and but she should, but she should have given me my batteries. That's the point. It's fair. That's you that's know that fair. that made me think of something. Um, didn't somebody actually do that to Kurt Angle at one point? Put him in a Camaro lock or something on live TV, and he just about killed the guy. Does anybody remember that happening? The the only time I, I can remember somebody doing a Camaro lock on TV was Lesnar after he came back from his UFC career. Yeah, I don't and know if he was, did it to Kurt Angle though. Oh, you know the, what? You know what? I think that happened between the two of them backstage. I don't think it happened on live TV. I think I think Lesnar was trying to. I think they had some kind of argument, and if I'm remembering this correctly, they had some kind of argument, and then they got into it backstage, and Lesnar tried to put him in a Kamara lock, and then Angle just took him to school. Yeah, yeah, that sounds more likely than what I just said. <laughs> I mean, I buy all of that. It's it's wild though because I every time every time I talk about or every time we, we, we talk about like the backstage aspects of things like I, I have to like it goes back to the to how much work you did uh, just backstage even for us uh, I, you know whether it was the the editing uh, like where you you had you basically had two VCRs just like absolutely they were like pop tarts at this point they were just heating each other up I mean they just just toasting each other frosting at this point like putting uh putting like just like innocuous footage uh, uh on on eight hour skinny tapes uh it it was it was bonkers the, uh, the amount and- the amount of detail that went into just the editing phase and trying to keep everything in order as to how we wanted to present the show was 
absolutely insane because we just missed out on the digital age of being able to do this so easily. And we were literally recording everything on mini video cassettes, using that into a little converter that would go into a VCR, hooking that VCR up to another VCR to create a master copy of everything in order and then creating copies of that copy. So by the time our first and second season came out, the quality was just straight shit. Yeah. And then there was and there was no scrubbing to do at that point. And it's it's wild because like we we ignored that entire step of how like like there was a like like there was a total deficient aspect to like how the video would look. But yet we we recorded like we we recorded an entrance music for 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 some people and Mm -hmm. then like a storming music. And for, for, for some people. And the only reason I'm saying it is because you recorded storm music in for me because I guess I was uh, a resident hothead at that point. So like uh, like whenever I uh, uh, whenever I, I was I was a, a, a clear cut face of the hardcore um, yeah UUW UUWF lore, I I was I was using uh, dropping plates by by disturbed disturbed good yeah. tune. Yeah, so so we had the yeah we had the starter music and that kind of thing. And by the way, I mean with this crop here at this point, I should be dumping water on it um, <laughs> as we like, as we record tonight. But uh, I, I'm not going to do that. I'm not, I, it's 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 too close to uh, uh, to the snowball. And um, again, I, I I I I'm enjoying the back and forth between uh, between my partner and uh, my guest my my guest tonight. I, so, I will say I, that when when we were doing the backyard wrestling stuff, you had by far the best taste in entrance themes. I I oh. mean, you 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 were very influential in in me picking my second theme by Raw, which we discussed my love for that band on my show, uh, which you had introduced me to that band. But that that song and uh, the the Deftones song that you had also used for a while. I mean, I still listen to those two regularly to this day. Which song oh. is that, Derek? Uh, that was I, actually the uh, my my heel music was uh, crashing around you by Machine Head. Machine Head, yeah. I use uh, just because I like it made it made things more uh, more streamlined. Uh, like if you could find something that's that's really front heavy um, on like like on the starts. Um, and I, again, I was already dumping like copious amounts of water on my face and stuff like that because. I, not only was I hyperventilating in front of the camera, but like I was also like um, well, at, the, at the at the time that was the only way that we can get you to weigh over a hundred pounds. Is that's, you were fair, wet. That's, that's fair too. I also I that's one thing I have. <laughs> by the way, <laughs> by the way, I give you both fucking carte blanche to laugh at that. I actually wore three pairs of pants. You did. I did. I used to wear three pairs of pants. How uh, old were you at that point? Vessel. Yeah, no, it just, I was, I, I, I was, I was the skinniest, I was, before Prodigy started, I was the skinniest bitch of the, of, of the Ultimate Underground Wrestling Federation. Wow. Um, and we had and Brian Lee, and that says something. That says something. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, 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 by the way, in case you're, uh, I, I will, I will go ahead and update the whole situation. Uh, uh, Brian Lee is, uh, is, is dead man riding uh, from the UWF, uh, Jeremy. <laughs> And uh, and uh, and he basically came out to uh, do you do you remember the uh, the the uh, the it was the all turntables um, uh, song from uh, Lincoln Park's Hybrid Theory? Yes. Okay, yes. he came out to that. That was music. his entrance music, yeah. Like that, like he came out to that, and 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 mind you, he wormed out to that. 
Oh, shit. While wearing dirt bike gear with a full chest piece. And full Scotty too hotty mode. <laughs> and and he had like this this mask. It was like a full headpiece. He only was able to wear it for about like the first couple weeks of this show or, or of the first season because he left it out in the sun and it melted. It did. It did. It, it, and so it, then it, after that, he started using a ski mask, which totally like negated his name because the first mask he was using explained why he was a dead man. And then the gear was that he was riding. And now he's just like some weird dude in a ski mask that rides dirt bikes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now he's now he's like dirt bike stealing at that point. <laughs> and we never we never pushed for that, for that name change, but we probably should have at that point. Um. <laughs> Well, by I, then, I, he, by then we already established him as a character, and we didn't want to compromise the integrity of the character, because that's that's how serious we took it. That's right. And 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 mind you, he was the only person that we actually allowed uh, to do the hurricane run on anybody at yeah, that yeah. point, because uh, like he was the only person that, with any type of confidence, that he would be able to put his head between our genitals. And not either hit it or suck it at that point. <laughs> no. I knew that you were going to say that. Important, important distinction there, yeah. It's um, very fair. Not, not to completely derail this, but I actually have a pop quiz. I wanted yeah. to ask you guys if you have any uh, standout matches, like craziest favorite match of the Attitude Era. And in DFC form, I'm going to give you... My, uh, this has got some of the craziest spots I have ever seen in my life. Um, it was King of the Ring 2001, Shane McMahon versus Kurt Angle in a street yep. fight match. He was and doing the overhead suplexes through that glass plate. Suplexes. And Shane just landing on his fucking neck several times. And Shane was one of the low-key stars of the Attitude Era with some of the spots he pulled. Like, I don't know how the hell... I don't know if he was doing it to prove himself not just his old man or what, but he was insane. Jumping off the uh, Titan Tron and... What else comes to mind? He did some crazy cage matches, too, didn't he? Uh, last year at WrestleMania, he jumped off the top of the Hell in a Cell. Jesus Christ. And he's getting up there in age. He doesn't need yeah. to be doing that shit. I wouldn't do that. He, he's got kids and diverticulitis. Oh, my God. <laughs> no way. I didn't know he was sick, dude. Yeah, yeah. Uh, apparently he was diagnosed with it like right before that match at WrestleMania, and they thought he was going to have to get pulled, and they were thinking of bringing in... Uh, uh, I think Chris Jericho to replace him, and then ultimately he said, "No, I'm going to do it." And this was like right, like his way. And it was like he like he also like just survived like a helicopter crash too, or like an emergency landing or something in water. Good lord, that dude's Man, real life is more board. insane than his in ring life. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, it's I mean it's weird because like the Attitude Era kind of kind of like marks uh like the end of a dark area uh, like a dark era in 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 the WWF because like the Doink it, the Clown era yeah yeah so yeah, <laughs> and, and, and actually if you look at I wrestled it, like, that guy by the way <laughs> no shit well wow, awesome in real life there's probably about 600 people claiming to be Doink the Clown yeah I don't even I don't think I even want to finish my point at this point. <laughs> 
like Go ahead. I, I'm sorry. No, 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 it's no, but I I want to know what it's like to wrestle Doink the Clown, like because we 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 literally just last week on DFC we talked about wrestling games, and and we talked about how how like Doink the Clown was some was for some reason on on a. I, on acclaims like uh rather it was it was wrestlemania WrestleMania uh, arcade game the arcade game yeah so so it was it was whenever like whenever uh, the uh, the undertaker was throwing who like like uh uh uh, uh tombstones. Tombstones, like, like he was throwing tombstones like hadoukens uh from from, from ryu <laughs> and street fighter so like i mean i don't even know if i want to continue on because like all i'm going to talk about is like different people that put that put fucking bret hart in a in a sharpshooter because like it was like that seemed to be like like almost like a compilation um uh in at, like in the early like in the like from 96 to 99 it was just like like oh look at all the people that are putting bret hart in his own finishing move like yeah. it seems like trash like at that point but like i mean i'd sooner probably hear you wrestle somebody that was on an arcade game like that sounds <laughs> that sounds gangster to me uh basically the the concept of wrestling doing the clown is just a series of comedy spots with a little bit of wrestling in between each spot. So mm. like there there's one where like he goes to whip me off the ropes and I have to keep hitting the ropes while he crisscrosses me until I get tired and sit down. <laughs> <laughs> or I thought, this, I thought that was this would sound different from the UWF and somehow it doesn't. Well, right. this is this is doing the clown. It's it's more gimmick than it is wrestling. Uh. Um, again, I thought this would sound different from the UUWF, but again, <laughs> it doesn't seem to for some reason. Uh, I, but again, I, I like like what? Uh, can you give us a frame of reference? What uh, what year is this that we're watching? That we're, we're we can we can somehow in, indulge this version of Doink the Clown? Two thousand nine. Mhm. That's fair. Two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Okay. That's uh. It. Yeah, uh, you know, it, it was a tag team match. Um, they were tr- the promotion was trying to establish me and this guy whose name I don't even remember at this point. Sorry, dude. As a as Ooh. a legitimate tag team, uh, so they had us go against Doink the Clown and the uh, promoter of the show, who was like this six three, two hundred fifty pound dude that kind of looked like Gene Snitsky if he shaved. And we we were doing these spots and ultimately we ended up going over by being chicken shit heels and doing chicken shit heel things um but but overall i mean that was a fun match you i mean matches like that you barely have to work because the story that you're telling engages the crowd so much more than the moves are doing and to me that's almost like cake work you know you don't have to take that many bumps you don't have to take that many risks you don't have to do crazy spots you're just telling a story and the fans are engaged because they, they see the gimmick and that that's what they want. You're giving the people what they want. Right. Um, I think I prefaced this, uh, in a, in a previous TFC episode, but, um, again, you've, you've, uh, you've been in the ring with, uh, uh, some pretty prominent human beings, uh, from a, from a wrestling standpoint. So, uh, now's the time. Uh, let's, uh, let's get on top of the manifold here and, uh, uh, let's, uh, let's hear the, uh, the top three, uh, the top three guys you wrestled against. Uh, oh man, none, none of, none of, none of the guys I ever wrestled against were real big names. I mean, I've been on a lot of shows with people. 
uh, or have had like legends doing autograph signings at shows that I had worked on. But as far as actually wrestling them, I don't have a whole lot of stories about guys that I or stars that I actually worked. Um, as far as the, the names of people that I've either shared a show or a ring or a community center locker room with, uh, I, I got a really great, uh, uh, Jake the Snake Roberts story that I could tell you. Um, I, I was doing this show for for a guy named Norm Connors uh, who can suck a dick, but he's not listening. Um, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> oh, I, he's not sucking a dick or he's not listening because I hope he's doing one of those things. Uh, flip a coin. Flip a coin. At this, point. <laughs> this is no country for old men at this point. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> um, my my match was scheduled to go before his, and normally locker room etiquette dictates that when. Uh, you go to a show, you introduce yourself to everybody working on that show. It's just kind of a respect thing. You shake their hand or whatever. But when it comes to like stars, you don't wait for them to approach you. You approach them. So even though Jake got there after I did, I still went up to introduce myself to him. And this is when he was still like off the wagon before he was doing DDP yoga and, and got his life back together. So I go to introduce myself to him. I was like, hey, Jake, how you doing? I'm Ian. And he was like, Ian. We got anything to drink around here? <laughs> and I said, uh, I think there's a couple of cases of bottled water in the fridge over there. You want me to get you one, man? And he's like, water? I don't drink that shit. Fish fucking it. <laughs> <laughs> and then he proceeded to light up a cigarette in the area that uh, they usually use to teach ballet to little girls. <laughs> sure. Wow. Yeah. Um, and, and I say that with all due respect to Jake, and I'm super happy that he got his life back on track and is doing great things for uh, the DDPY program and all that stuff. But it's still a really funny story that I love to tell. Um, as far as some other guys, uh, one of my shining moments in my career was the third match in my career. I got to wrestle uh, two matches in one night. The first one ended in disqualification due to outside interference, which I won. And then I got to go backstage to bring out a guy named Tom Brandy, who wrestled in the WWF as Salvatore Sincere. Um, but he was doing the uh, the Patriot gimmick that night. And for those like old school wrestling fans may remember, the Patriot was the guy who used Kurt Angle's theme song back in the late 80s and early 90s before Kurt Angle used that song. Right. Um, and then uh, we did a match together, and then that match was the pre-main event, which I, I went over in that match, too, which, like, that's huge to to be pushed so hard and the first time working for that promotion and only the third match in my career. That's and, cool as hell. Uh, and our match was the pre-main event to AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe. And I'd say a good 25% of the crowd left after my match didn't even stick around for AJ and Joe. No that shit. was the Newville Community Center, wasn't it? That was the Newville Community Center. Yeah, yeah. That, that was like uh, – now, a lot of that had to do with the fact that a lot of the people that were in the crowd were there specifically to see me that night. I personally sold about 10% of the tickets in the crowd uh, because uh, Newville was as close to my hometown as you can get to, to you know, for me to wrestle in. And – it was only the third match of my career. My first one took place in Cincinnati, Ohio. The second one took place at, uh, at Port Royal Speedway during like the day. So like, this was like the first chance that like, if you haven't, if you know me and you know that I've been chasing this dream, this is your chance to see me live it, you know, for, for one night. And like, you know, like my grandparents came like 
they they're the most cynical people of all time when it comes to professional wrestling. But like they came and like that was such a big deal. And like my my girlfriend's entire family came and like I had like my boss from Lowe's came. I didn't I don't even like that guy. Like I, I hated him so much. I went as him for Halloween one year and won a costume <laughs> contest. <laughs> um, I, I buy that, too, by the way. <laughs> I've seen him since. So, yeah, you definitely did. <laughs> Uh, that that was I mean that that was a really a really cool moment to be able to say that like I outdrew Joe and Styles I mean they headlined SummerSlam last year, um, but uh, as far as like other guys like I've worked on the same show as uh, Daniel Bryan, uh, I the Motor City Machine Guns which that was a pretty cool experience just like watching those guys warm up in the ring for a half an hour before the show just watch them chain wrestle each other and not communicate at all they just kind of knew where each other was going to go from there. Like I just basically sat there and took mental notes for half an hour while they just worked out. Um, Sergeant Slaughter was doing an autograph signing at a show that I did in Berkeley Springs, West Virginia. And even though it was a tag team match and every participant in that match botched a move at some point during the match, he still made it a point to come up to us and tell us that he thought that we had the best match on the show, Um, which I thought was really awesome coming from him. Um. As as far as the rest of my career goes, most of my interactions with big stars came outside of the ring, mainly due to my friendship with Sharkboy. Sure, uh, you know the 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 episode or the um, like I, I mean I I can't I can't speak for um, like opening at some point for for Styles and Samoa Joe, uh, but it, it's so crazy that. Most of most of the people at that show uh, left after the main event, and there were actual flyers for the headline for like for Styles and Samoa Joe at my job, and that nobody stayed for. <laughs> I mean, we we did we did a lot of really good work promoting that too. I mean, we incorporated some local radio DJs, so I did a spot on their uh, their radio show. Uh, they they did a little piece for me in the in the local paper talking about you know they they were trying to bill me as like the hometown hero is coming home to to wrestle in his first you know big match on uh, a wrestling show and whatnot and um like I said to to be pushed that hard uh, that quickly and to be able to work with such talented guys as I did that night I mean not everybody gets that opportunity and I'm I'm really thankful that I not only got to experience that, but I got to learn so much from, from much better guys than I ever was. Sure. Um, I, I got fallen on by Kane once at ringside. <laughs> I have, I have pictures of it. It's pretty cool. It was, uh, it, it was, I, I don't remember the era. Batista was there. I think I want to say 2002, 2003, it was at Bryce Jordan center in state college. And I was right facing the hard camera um and undertaker was on a hiatus and the lights went out and the bells started chiming and kane booked it through the crowd and fell on me that man is fucking huge (laughs) Uh, closest i can come to a story about a guy that big was um when when tna first started doing house shows uh, they they did one in Pennsylvania where they they were doing a double shot, which means like two shows in the same weekend, but in two different towns. 
Uh, one was in Reading and one was in Johnstown. And they had the guys all staying at the Hilton Garden Inn on Paxton Street in Harrisburg. And Shark had called me up uh, because he knew he was coming to town and wanted to hang out. And he, he said, he'll comp me a couple of tickets to the show. And then he's like, then afterwards, we want to hang out. Uh, can you take us downtown somewhere? And I said, yeah, sure. And like, I'm not, you know, much of a party guy. So like, I don't know where the best place to go is, but I, I ultimately decided on Kyoto's and second street because it had a club atmosphere downstairs and a live band upstairs. So the guys can pick their poison, um, while they, you know, just try to cut loose. And I invited a buddy of mine who I was friends with in my professional wrestling career that like, he, 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 he totally marked out like all night and it kind of made me feel bad for, for inviting him because, you know, at the end of the day, these guys are just guys and they just want to go out and have a good time. They don't want to talk about work. They don't want to, you know, and, um, one of the guys that was with us was, uh, abyss abyss is a huge, huge man. And he, uh, he, he got a little drunk that night. Uh, to, to, and, and there's so much more to this story that I could tell, but the reason I had brought it up was we had went to after after we hung out, uh, we we went to Sheets, and you know none of those guys are from here, so they'd never been to a Sheets before. They don't understand the concept of touchscreen kiosks and MTOs and things like that. So he just starts shouting at the kiosk, "I just want a fucking cheeseburger with fucking pickles and fucking lettuce," and and I just kind of put my arm around him I'm like, "Bro, what can I get you?" He's like, "Bro." I just, want a, I just want a fucking cheeseburger with fucking pickles and fucking uh, ketchup and fucking nothing else. And so I start putting it in and I said, all right, now all you got to do is just take this ticket to the register and pay for it. And then they'll tell you over here when it's ready. And he literally like picks me up and I'm not a small guy. I'm, you know, 5'11", 235 at the time and just picks me up off the ground and starts like shaking me around like a rag doll telling me that I'm his best friend in the whole world. <laughs> And and then at the time, my my girlfriend had shown up, um, because unbeknownst to me, Shark had called her to tell her I was too drunk to drive and she needed to come pick me up, even though I was the one taxiing everybody around in the rental car. <laughs> huh. yep. And she and she shows up and the first person she sees is Abyss, uh, whose uh, first name is uh, Chris, and he just extends his hand and goes, "I play Abyss," and she just goes, "That's you, phenomenal. you're." huge <laughs> and then we we go back to the hotel room we're hanging out a little bit and i'm just catching up with shark in his room and we're about ready to call it a night and i was like uh where's uh where's abyss's room at i want to say goodbye to him and jb and some of the other guys that i'd hung out with that night and he was like oh he's in room 214 or whatever and i go down there and i go to say goodbye to abyss and he's working on cleaning up a flood in the bathroom <laughs> a, flood. <laughs> a flood like towels on the floor it, like it's very obvious that like my window of opportunity to say goodbye is very very small because he's got <laughs> he's got a lot of things that he needs to take care of right now. <laughs> but but that dude that dude is a is a is an awesome super nice super cool dude and uh, he's also a guy that's doing work backstage for WWE now and I'm happy for him. I yeah I I like that I like that story I like the way that that it ended because it was I mean with a flood in the bathroom I, with uh yeah <laughs> absolutely um not just because I have to pee um and this could be the first DFC that I whip my dick out on but I, I no, no, is it, it the first it, uh, it th well. <laughs> You're not on supposed this to size, tell anybody that. By the way, on this size of screen, 
yes, absolutely. Um, the first thing I want to do is I, I, I want to I want to acknowledge this has been a fucking blast. <laughs> and um, I have to I, I mean, I don't know if this is contractually obligating you to, but I like this feels like half of one episode, like a third of another episode and like, I don't know, five eighths of another episode. So, like, we're probably going to need you back here at some point. So This is I'd the ADD to. podcast, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the obvious ADD podcast. Like, like it's the it's the it's the encyclopedia. Uh, uh, what are we doing, Tanika? Well, I mean, uh, the three of us, the three of us could have easily filled an hour with the covers talk. And then I half assed tried to get into the uh, attitude era, which, by the way, I, I didn't wanna... even answer your question. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> you I'm noticed looking, that too. Holy I'm, shit, good for you. <laughs> you I'm looking that. at a picture of the Nation of Domination, which just makes me laugh to begin with. But like, you got Papa Shango and Ron Simmons and D'Lo, and then like a young, fresh upstart in Rocky Maivia. But like, Rocky looks like the fucking shittiest body out of all of them. And now you look at the Rock, and he is just chiseled out of granite, you know? You must be looking at a picture before Owen Hart joined the group. Oh. <laughs> how, how ridiculous was that? I'm I'm looking at. Did I say Papa Shongo? By the way, yeah, that's great. <laughs> what wow. was his name in there? Kama. I think it was Kama. Kama. Uh, he became yeah. the Godfather. I, I I I I was blanking because Godfather was the only name I could think of, or or Charles Wright, which is his real name. Yeah, yeah and all I or, or the I good was... father, the good father when he was good part of father. the right to censor. Oh man, that just bummed me out. I just saw Brian Adams was in Nation of Domination. He died yep. too young. Yeah. Okay. okay, you know, like we're closer to the end than the beginning here, gentlemen. At this, point. <laughs> so like, 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 can we talk about who's around and and like rather than who's not at this point? Like, we're gonna do this again as long <laughs> as I get a couple of yeses. After I say, can we do this again soon? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. So this is what I well, this is this is what I I want to expound on at this point. I've got one more question, and then I want to do sort of a a uh, a rudimentary pop quiz, and then we're gonna get everybody out of here. I I, I hope without a charge. And um, the answer is Vince Russo. <laughs> That's. <laughs> If you want to get out of here without a charge, the answer is never Vince Russo. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Continue. <laughs> so, um, what I'll start with is, again, I've never been in, um, I've never been in a ring with a true monster um, uh, that is, I would say, more capable than me at this point because i'm i mean i ian you saw me like uh, i like what five six weeks ago or something like that i've yeah i've i've bulked up considerably at this and point and your hair is significantly longer oh wow <laughs> i mean and and i man i just i I wish this was a normal DFC podcast because I would go with some total gay shit right now. But I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I no. The, the the funny thing is, is that I talked to my wife and I was like, dude, I've got better ring hair than I've ever had in my fucking life, <laughs> and 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 I'm getting ready to like do like a, a wrestling show with like 
two straight dudes, and I'm like, <laughs> why am I bl- like, why am I blessed with such bad luck? Look at my fucking sexy hair. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I mean, I know. I, I will admit, I will admit that I'm a little jealous because I've only gotten ever like about halfway there and then give up because I do not have the patience to deal with it. Well, to be fair, patience has nothing to do with it. It's it's more about it's more about uh, just like having your your hands just significantly just I mean they they got to be sticky. It just have to be sticky at this point. So it's either I thought you weren't or, doing gay shit. Well, <laughs> not, not that's fair. Damn, you see, do you, you see why I brought him on? Yes, I understand. So, at this point, so the first thing I will ask is, uh, to the guy that's been in this fucking squared circle, and then I will go to you, partner, and then I will go ahead and talk about, uh, my my uh, my brief exploits here. But uh, uh, what was what was the most devastating move that was put on you, uh, at this point? So, like like what what put you like what puts you stupid? What like what like hit your reset button uh, when you were in the ring? I had I mean, four teeth. I had four teeth punched out of my face. Yeah, but that was that, that was that was behind the sheets in uh or I'm, I'm sorry, it was, I think it was a rudders <laughs> in uh, in Lancaster. But uh, he he was particularly well hung. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> oh oh wait no I'm uh that 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 point has nothing to do with the previous point. <laughs> so what um okay no I I. I was getting over on this guy. I went to pick him up by his hair, which is how guys stand up in wrestling. <laughs> I'm not helping my cause here. Um, and he and he went to and he went to break free and hit me with this uppercut to the chin. And because I uh, had my mouth open, again, not helping myself here, uh, he shut it for me, and that caused four of my teeth to explode. Uh, I, I ended up having I ended up having to get three veneers and a crown put in. At my own at my own expense because indie wrestling doesn't have insurance. Um, you know, do you, you, you know you know veneer is the actual uh, uh, French word for cum, right? <laughs> well, that's why that, that's why I'm able, I guess that's why I'm able I'm to sorry. chew so well. I'm sorry. I'm look, dude, I'm sorry. I haven't made a joke the entire time. <laughs> I haven't made a joke the entire time. I needed to do something. I'm sorry. Honestly, like, um, uh, other other quick. I mean, I, I've been really fortunate to haven't not have any serious injuries. Um, I've I injured myself worse on the dance floor of my sister's wedding than I have in most matches, um, which is true story. I went to emergency room one night. We can talk about that another time. That, um, that was, was that was that with was that was like that was at a was that Courtney's wedding? Yeah, it was Courtney's wedding. Yeah, I, I yeah, because I I yeah, I remember that. Like it's, it's, I I had a Facebook status saying that a freak uh, freak injury on the dance floor caused me to be in the emergency room. It was the night before a show. Uh, turns out that I had dislocated my left kneecap and partially tore my left hamstring and not, not bad enough to require surgery. I actually ended up popping the thing back in place while I waited for a doctor so I can skip out on my copay. Right. And <laughs> go ahead. No, I, I, I can't, I can't like actually like, I can't walk over this for any other reason other than the fact that like, like, uh, on our episode with strong words, I had made. Uh, the claim that I was not a very good friend for a like a chunk of time, but um, I actually like you messaged me that night at the uh, like when you were you were in the emergency room. I did. You did? Yeah, you did. I don't. You, you must have been. You must have been wicked doped up. But like that was one. That was one connection that I felt like I had like actually earned the opportunity to like 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 I've gotten in. 
at this point. So like, if I answer this kid back right now, because like this dude, like literally had a scenario where nobody can actually talk about this. Like, like, like he was fucking busting a move at his sister's wedding and he literally tore some shit out. Like, <laughs> I, 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 I actually, True. I got, I got some clout here at this point. If I, if, if I, if, if I respond back and I did like, I mean, granted it wasn't great. If I, but I remember, I remember hearing about this because there's literally no reason for me to remember this. Like, <laughs> Like, like, I mean, I care about you deeply, but at the same time, I, I, there's no reason for me to remember that, that on this night that I know that it was like, again, it was, it was, it was, it was Courtney's wedding and then they moved to fucking Michigan and shit like that. So like, I mean, there was, there's a, yeah, there's, there's a, there's a lineage there, dude. I mean, I remember that shit. I mean, I remember being a bad friend. And I remember being a good friend at points. So that's great. Um, that, that actually was the night before I had my teeth shattered. Because I, res- I wrestled a match the next day. I heavily taped the knee to explain to the the fans that I was going into the match hurt. Because um, some some of my some of my fans actually had followed me on Facebook or or friends with me. I forget what the terminology is. I'm not on that shit anymore. Um, and we're and we're actually questioning the promoter as to whether or not I was going to make my booking. And so I wanted to, you know, show them that I am legitimately hurt and also explain to the the fans who were not cognizant of what was going on that I have a bum knee. And then that would get the guy that I was working even more heat for beating the shit out of my knee. I said, do whatever you want to it. Just don't hyperextend it. And it was during that match that he uh, he shattered four of my teeth. There you go. Um, uh I was going to make a total recall reference at this point because I literally just rewatched that ep- or that that movie earlier this week <laughs> but um I'm just going to kick it to 610 uh and uh um Mr. Brubaker uh uh what what have what have you and Jason done to one another that has uh royally fucked you and other uh, <laughs> uh, you your your you um Either you or him up, because I'll take I'll take whatever you got at this point. I was gonna say I got a good foot on him. I was gonna jokingly say Michinoku driver to me, but if you know Jason's <laughs> height versus mine, it doesn't work. No, um, I think probably the tombstone to him was the most devastating to him. He hit me with a actual locked in a figure four leg lock one time that I thought he broke both of my legs and hips. And it was like, Jesus fucking Christ, that move hurts. That's a legitimately painful move to be in. Yeah, it it was not good. I would say that's it. I don't really have a funny story about it, but I remember that hurt like a motherfucker. Yeah. I, I, um, like, I think there's, there's two, one happened to me and one didn't happen to me. Uh, the first one I'll probably talk about is, um, uh, our, our buddy Ronnie, um, at one point basically got tasplexed onto his shoulder and basically it dislocated his collarbone. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, I mean, I, I can't guarantee that it wasn't a, uh, it wasn't a, 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 like, again, it wasn't a misthrow. Um, cause the, cause like he, he tried, night, didn't he? He tried to break his own fall. It was Boyd that did it to him. It was Boyd. That's right. Yeah. He, he, yeah. Tra- he Yeah. He tried to break his own fall on a suplex attempt, had the arm down too fast, and that ended up taking the brunt of the the bump, and then ended up popping his shoulder out. Yeah. That that was that was the worst injury in the history of the UWF. Yeah, because I mean we have to discount uh, because uh, Ronnie also became the dentist 
at that point because uh, or like 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 probably two years down the line because I, I, it turns out Ronnie was accident prone um, and and we would we would usually say that about like like women that we dated during that time but we're not we're actually not talking about that at this point um, we we're we're saying more or less that that Ronnie kind of found his way to being on the IR. All right. Um, but uh, there was there was an interesting scene uh, uh, and an interesting bump that I took um, in the second season. Uh, I, I, I wrestled everybody um, in the in the uh, uh, in the amateur outdoor sports entertainment uh, circuit uh, prior to um, uh, literally we called this kid sheriff. Uh, it's like it's there's there's that's his, that's his shoot last name. It's literally, it's yeah, it's a shoot last name. So, like, you know, we uh, we had a like we did more documenting. So we, there was a lot of moves, there was a lot of plans, a lot of setups, um, and like there was a move that I literally asked for, and and I, and it's it's a it's a it's a near and dear segment to our DFC hearts at this point because um, it looks an awful lot like uh, a Benoit suplex um, that does not involve uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson or uh, a bow flex. Yeah. Or a bow flex at this point. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> largely what wow. ended up happening. You're right. I, I, again, you're Ian, I, I, you're, I love you, but you're in over your head with our, with, with our, with our references. Cynicism. Yeah, yeah, with our cynicism. I've, I've listened to a few episodes. I knew what I was getting into. We're in a dark place at this point, but but essentially what happened was I was only wearing two pairs of pants, and that's probably my fault at this point. Um, but I was wearing, uh, and I was wearing a, a a very very tight IUP shirt, and I was wearing uh, a. It was a child like, medium. It was. It's, it was. It was. It's a shimmy- pronounced ICP. <laughs> Juggalo You're not wrestling to make that... <laughs> okay all right i'm fine all right so like okay i i, I get to i get to defend myself as being down with a clown till i am dead <laughs> in the ground um which I, I, d- I just watched big money hustlers for about the 500th time the other day <laughs> oh my god i it, if I, I would have this conversation till time stops if i didn't have to piss but 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 like Speaking of things that fold me up, like like I I, I whiffed on a clothesline. Uh, you know, this is the first time I ever wrestled. I ever single wrestled sheriff, and 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 he was like, he, he was he he was like fake on a clothesline, and I and I'm I'm gonna give you a German suplex, and he was not. Christ, kidding. why would we let him do that? Well, he wasn't kidding. It's fair because like I. I, I gave him a little boost on that German suplex, and for whatever reason, I didn't bring actual shoes to that match at all. I had Adidas slides on, and again, <laughs> with my with, with with my funny gray pants and only one pair of them on, um, uh, and the fact that we wrestled by a highway, I I, I like uh, whenever I got, I literally got folded up. Like a like like an accordion. You know what? You know As what? you're saying this, I remember it. I can see it right now. I got folded up on a German suplex like an accordion, and my like my shoes went into Highway 34 East towards Gettysburg. 
So it and, goes. <laughs> and I'm not shitting you when I say that. Like 34 and, and, South. Like, like, and, and, no, no, and he like he tried to cover like he tried to pin me and I was like, are you kidding me? Like I like I didn't know where the fuck I was at and he put me like like in the in, in the sharpshooter and he was like just fake like it hurts I was like I don't know where I'm at <laughs> fake okay <laughs> I don't know where I'm at like like legit like I didn't expect to wrestle that day like I should <laughs> I sh- dude I showed up I showed up in sandals and like I ended up taking the worst German suplex I've ever taken in my life. But I mean, it's it, it's it's legit. Like I mean, I, I like I feel I feel that because like it's like it's so carnal, and to be able to share that with like 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 adults that have actually fucking taken bumps and like 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 appreciate the you know whatever it is. Like like it's I mean it's not cloud at this point because you've 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 learned from from your dumb mistakes and you get bounced off your fucking face every every once in a while or the back of your neck or or like or whatever you're i don't know i don't know like you, you're up your your adidas sandals get 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 hit by an 18 wheeler at some point you can't and you, you you can't wear them home anymore so like that's that's real for me so it's enough for me to kind of go forward and say like look like i want to be on strong words again i don't know my brother if we can do the straightforward cover show but there may be a, a, a point where we can do a show and then, you know, the cover show has got to include my, uh, my, my partner here at this point. So, Oh yeah, uh, I'm in, I'm in, you know, I, 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 I'd absolutely love to have you back on the show. I mean, we, we talked about that the second we got done recording our, my interview with you and, and this just, this being on your show here just affirms that this is a partnership that needs to continue. I appreciate it. So, um, uh, what do you got for us? My, uh, my brother uh i'll go ahead and thank if not for me again for the intro outro music still frame from their album capture the current uh do you have anything you want to plug besides the podcast ian um well i mean i will i do want to plug the podcast you can find strong words with ian strong on itunes spotify google play iHeartRadio, and a lot of other places you can find podcasts uh, a lot of the information about my podcast you can find on my twitter page which is at ian strong words uh and that's that's about it uh, I, w- I will take one quick second though and and finally answer jeremy's question from about 25 minutes ago uh <laughs> Because because I've been thinking about it the whole time we've been we've been talking here. Um, I, I got maybe a, a quick top three of matches that stick out in my mind as ones that I loved from that era. Uh, first of which being Rock Mankind, the I Quit match in '99 for the Royal Rumble. Hell yeah. That that was the first pay per view that I ever spent money on, and I probably watched that match 30 times. And it's famously subjected in the Beyond the Mat documentary and all that. Um, and it's probably also featured in a lot of CTE. Uh, uh, oh yeah, videos yeah, now. Um, second one, the uh, 2001 Royal Rumble ladder match between Chris Jericho and Chris Benoit was a personal <laughs> favorite of mine. Oh my and god, yeah, that the, one was great. The the 2003 Royal Rumble match between Kurt Angle and uh, Chris Benoit, one of the best matches I've ever seen. Man, those are great picks, man. Fuck that. There's, there's I, a- ha- I had one more, and I won't give any more info on it. I know Derek's back teeth are floating um wrestlemania 17 <laughs> dudley's hardy's and tlc uh, 
Yeah, the Dudley's Hardys and Edge and Christian, Christian. fucking unreal. I mean, they put themselves on the map with that match. Yeah, I I was I was actually thinking of mentioning that one, but I if if I had to limit myself to top three, it would be the ones I mentioned. I'm just glad none of us mentioned uh, Undertaker Mankind on the cell because that was not a match at all. Craziest spot maybe of all time, Mm -hmm. but yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, we could very easily say that Shane McMahon did a better spot because it took longer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, not not to be a dick, but, I mean, like, just, I mean, it's, we can start, we can stop watching it if you want to. Well, that, uh, that, that match set, the Undertaker-Mankind match set a precedent for what a dangerous high spot was. Oh, yeah. Right. Um, I, I mean, and again, because I, I could I could get 20 minutes into um, how like how poorly the uh, uh, like WWE markets um, um, uh, uh, the uh, the Ring of Honor uh, guys at this point. So, I mean, I mean, just the the the, the fault they're like just a bad joke that Brian Danielson ended up becoming until he became Daniel Bryan. Like it's just it just ends up being I don't know it's well he he was he like I I he was specifically referencing the Attitude Era though like if we were gonna go beyond that like one of my favorite matches of all time back in Unbreakable TNA pay per view 2005 a triple threat match between Samoa Joe Chris Daniels and AJ Styles one of the best <laughs> matches I've ever seen right I mean I, and it's again I I have to like I I have to default just just for like just for a second because again I. I will be less effective um, on the next episode <laughs> that the three of us are together because I, it's, I mean, I'm going to be, I, I mean, I'll be writing an outline uh, while all of us are, are just, just trying to figure shit out. So, but I should say at this point, water out demonstratum and thank you for joining us. Darwin's family crest. Do not suffer stupidity. We love we you love guys. You. It's been fun. See you next time. <laughs>